What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. And you're in for an absolute treat again today because I'm going to be talking about, I, I've named this the Fat Loss Masterclass. I might change the title to this, right? But ultimately, it's going to be everything relating to achieving sustainable weight loss, sustainable fat loss. And even if you're someone who's already at a good level, uh, you might already be in shape, but you want to kind of drop stubborn body fat. You want to get to the next level. This is going to be relevant for, for those people or anyone who's been struggling with their weight. And just in general for health, <laughs> there's going to be so many knowledge bombs in this episode, right? So first thing I wanted to talk about, right, is essentially, you know, when it comes to losing fat and getting leaner and losing weight, like, I mean, there's so much information out there nowadays that we kind of know what to do. I don't think it's the knowledge that's an issue, right, for most people. Let's be honest. The thing with a calorie deficit, which you hear a lot about, right? You need to be burning more calories than you're eating to actually lose fat, right? So you've got to be in a calorie deficit. Otherwise, you are not going to lose weight. Okay, that's not rocket science. I think most people know this, okay? But a calorie deficit works until it doesn't work, right? For most people, right? Listen to that again. Just like a diet, like following a strict diet, it works short term until it doesn't work anymore. Same goes with a calorie deficit, right? To be in a consistent calorie deficit, right? How does how do you do that, right? To be constantly burning more calories than what you're eating. And bear in mind, your body doesn't want to be in that place. It doesn't want to be starved, essentially, right? Like, so I'll talk more about that anyway, right? So let's go into the sustainability element and the current state of affairs, right? Because people are only getting essentially fatter and sicker, right? That's the bottom line. That's just the way it's going, okay? In this day and age, 85, there's loads of research on this, but this is one study. 85% of people who lose weight, lose a significant amount of weight, they gain it all back within one to three years. To be honest, it's less than that based on what I've seen, less than one to three years, but let's just say two to three years actually, right? Over 85% of people gain all the weight back they lost within two to three years, and over 50% of people gain all the weight back they lost within the first year of losing that weight, right? Uh, in Australia, here in Australia, for example, 67, and this is a this is last year as well. It's probably gone up now because it's only rising. Like I said, 67% of people are overweight and 20% were obese, but that was back in 2017. So that's no doubt that's higher now. I would say that's more towards, that's got to be more towards 30% even here in Australia. And that's obese. That's clinically obese, not overweight. So around about 70% overweight and 20% obese. The stats are obviously worse in America. Uh, the obesity rate, I'm sure, is about 50% now, or not far off 40 or 50%. Obesity, right? So that's like, you know, 150 million people, uh, roughly, um, struggling with obesity in America, right? So metabolic health is the most important thing, right? Your metabolism and everything else. So let's talk about the debate on calories in versus calories out, right? Now, there's like two camps, like there always is. This is what kind of pisses me off. Can I have a little bit of a rant here? in the fitness spaces, like there's always two camps and it just confuses the fuck out of people. Excuse the French. I'm sure you can relate to this, right? People watching the live or listening back. It's, there's information out there. There's more information than ever, but a lot of it's conflicting. You get told one thing, then you get told the opposite. Then you end up just scratching your head frustrated and essentially getting nowhere, spinning your wheels, right? So there's the camp, which is like, you know, calories in versus calories out. Uh, nothing else matters. You can't debate the law of thermodynamics as I always talk about, right? You need to be burning more calories than what you're eating to lose weight. You need to be eating more calories than what you're burning to gain weight or gain muscle, right? Now, what you've got to look at with calories in versus calories out is if I go a little bit into the basic science, right? You've got TDEE, which is your total daily energy expenditure, right? 
the total amount of calories that your body burns in a day. Okay. Now, give or take around about 70% of those calories are your BMR, right? Roughly 60 to 70%. Let's just say 70%. That's your basal metabolic rate. In other words, that's the calories your body burns just to keep the lights on, right? Look in your house, right? For example, the energy that your house uses up, right? Your bills and stuff. If you just keep the lights on, for example, your body, if you were just lie on the couch all day long, essentially, you know, 70% of your total calories burned are just going to be to keep your organs, to keep you alive, essentially, right? Just to keep the lights on, keep your organs functioning, your brain uses up a lot of calories, et cetera, et cetera, right? So 70% of your total calories are your basal metabolic rate. And that's where strength training and lifting weights comes in so handy, right? Which I'll talk about. Obviously, muscle is an organ. When you add muscle to your body, it costs your body more calories. So my BMR is through the roof. I struggle to get enough calories in. It's a fantastic problem to have. I get a lot of my clients to this place as well. It takes time to get there where you built enough muscle, you're healthy enough, you eat enough protein where your body's just churning and just like, it's like a, like a supercharged, the best way to describe it is my metabolism is like a supercharged uh, Ferrari engine, right? The amount, of, the amount of gas, in other words, calories that my body burns just to keep muscle on my body and keep me alive without me just being sat on my ass, right? Although I don't sit on my ass much. Anyway, the other 30%, 15%, now this is important, pay attention to this, right? Is neat, right? So roughly around about 15% of the, your calories, your daily calories is neat. So neat is non-exercise activity thermogenosis, in other words, movement, okay? So a lot of people, for example, they sit on their ass all day, right? That's most people, and that's another reason why most people are overweight and obese, because the technology era, people are sat on their ass more than ever, right? And you can get Uber Eats to your couch, okay? So finally losing battle, and essentially people don't move much. So neat is just your activity, so getting up, moving. I don't, I'm, I'm a person who does, I'm a type A, I, I like to move, it boosts my energy. I, I, I average about 13,000 steps a day, I think, just because I walk after my two big meals, I like to move around regular. I don't like to sit down for too long. Sitting is the new smoking, okay? You sit down for longer than 90 minutes or two hours, it's very bad for you. That's why they say sitting is the new smoking. It's absolutely atrocious for your health. So regular movement is key whilst we're on that topic. But 15% of your calories is going to be your daily movement. 10% is the thermic effect of food, okay, which is basically fiber and protein. So protein, for example, takes up a lot of energy to digest. There was actually a recent study, I think I mentioned this before, done, long story short, two groups of people, they ate the same amount of calories, one group of people had a really high protein, can't remember the amount. The other group had low to moderate protein, but they had the same calories, okay? And the fats and carbs are the same as well. And this, bear in mind, they're eating the same amount of calories, the same amounts, right? But, oh, sorry, the, the fats and carbs couldn't have been the same. I'm lying there, right? Forget about that. But they had the same calories. One had high protein, one had low to moderate. And the group, I think it was over only a short period of time as well. I can't remember. It might've been four to eight weeks or something like that maybe 12 weeks, but the group who had the high protein lost significantly more weight with having the same calories because protein costs your body a lot of calories to digest. It uses up a lot of energy to just to digest protein and break it down. So obviously with me, for example, I eat a really high amount of protein, like a ridiculous amount. I have about 300 grams, maybe more, sometimes 350 grams of protein a day. So that's another reason why my metabolism is working so hard. Also fiber as well. So fiber basically has a high thermic effect. So when you're having your fruit, your veggies, those kind of things, fibrous foods, potatoes, et cetera, there is research to show that fiber has a high thermic effect as well. Because obviously, again, it slows down the digestion process. So it costs your body a decent amount of calories. Now, this is the interesting one, my friend, right? 
listen up. Only 5% of your calories a day, right, are burnt from training on average. So a lot of people, they come to me or people say to me, I can't understand it. Like, you know, I'm not losing weight. I'm struggling. I'm actually gaining fat. I'm getting more and more overweight. And ultimately, they're like, I'm training every day. I go to the gym every day. And it's like, okay, but what are you doing for the other, you know, your other waking hours? Let's just say the other 15 hours that you're awake for. What are you doing for? Oh, let's have a look at your steps. Oh, you're doing 3,000 steps. You're not moving at all. You're sat on your ass. You're a couch potato, right? And then if you bring in the other factors in, in terms of the type of training they're doing, how much muscle have they got on their body, that's secondary. That doesn't really add up at all in comparison to how much calories you can burn when you're moving, right? So 5%, my friend, you could be training every day. If you're sat on your ass all day and you're not getting enough steps and movement in, right, you're not going to be burning many calories and it's going to be much harder for you to lose fat. So neat. And when I say neat, non-exercise activity thermogenosis is not just like going for allocated walks, it's movement in general. So like when you're fidgeting and stuff, like I'm generally, I don't like to sit still much, right? I struggle to sit. I, I do sit still when I'm focused on work. I move a lot, just fidgeting, moving around, cleaning your house, you know, doing your gardening. That's all classes movement, right? So yeah, so that's how you break it down. 70% is your body just to, just to keep the lights on, the amount of calories your body burns, you being sat on the couch. Only 5% of your total calories is from training, actually the calories you burn when you're in the gym, right? 15% is from movement. Okay, that's quite a high amount. And then 10% is a high amount as well, right? The type of food you're eating, protein and fiber, mainly protein, right? Having high protein is going to cost your body like 10% more calories a day. That's a lot, my friends, on average, right? So anyway, moving into um, basically calorie. So let's just talk about what's really important. I just did a post on this, right? And I was just talking, answering a question then from someone on my Instagram live in terms of fats, protein, carbs, calories, right? When it comes to losing weight, my friends, like fuck carbs and fuck fat. Excuse the French. I said this on the video on my, on my Instagram as well, right? That's personal preference. Doesn't make any difference to body composition. In other words, to fat loss. Fats and carbs don't make any difference to weight loss. I'm going to say that again, right? Just to clarify, when protein and calories are equated, so you've got to have, like I just said, high protein or adequate protein, right? I would say ideally, if you're looking to lose weight, at least a minimum of, I would say, two grams at a bare minimum, two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. Okay, most of my audience, podcast audience are in America, so I would say a bare minimum of a gram of protein per pound of your body weight, all right? Minimum higher is better, I would say. Uh, it depends on what your lifestyle is like and how much you train, but you know, 1.5 grams, ideally, 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight. That's really high. That's like what I have, basically. That's a high amount. So high protein, and you need to be in a calorie deficit. So to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit of about 10 to 25% max below your maintenance calories. So if your calories just to maintain, again, a lot of people like listening back to this or what you might not even know what your maintenance calories are. You can do calculators online. I mean, the metabolism is very complex. It'll give you an idea, but there's a lot of guesswork when you're doing it yourself, right? That's why it's like, you know, for example, my clients sign up, they're like, oh my God, there's a breath, breath of fresh, fresh air now. Don't have to do any thinking. He can just tell me what to do and I can do it and get leaner, right? Anyway, you need to be in a calorie deficit of 10 to 25%. Um, I'll answer it. I can see some questions popping up here in the live. I will answer all these questions at the end. 10 to 25% below your maintenance calories. So if, you, if your calories to maintain your weight are, let's say, 2,000 calories, you need to be in a minimum of 10% lower than that. So in other words, at least 200 calorie deficit, right? So you need to be having like say 1800 calories maximum you can have, right? That's the minimum deficit because that's 10% below and up to 25%. So up to 500 calories less. It depends on how aggressive you want to do it. But ultimately the bigger the deficit, the harder it is to sustain and the harder it is in general, right? You know, I, I always recommend to start slow, but it really depends what position you're in. 
Yeah. So high protein, calories, fats and carbs are personal preference. Obviously, carbs and, and food quality I always talk about is key. You've got to be in predominantly whole foods. I say this every single episode. You've got to be in at least 90%, in my opinion, uh, real food. In other words, single ingredient food, primarily. If you're eating ultra-processed foods that come out of a packet, you're going to overeat. Good luck. You're not going to be able to lose weight and keep it off. It's as simple as that. Research shows that as well. So yeah, so another thing I wanted to talk about is most people are simply not in a position to cut weight. I'll say that again. Most people are simply not in a position to cut weight and be able to keep it off. Losing weight, fantastic, right? Quite challenging, not that impressive, to be honest, right? It's hard for credit to you, right? I'm not going to talk down to anyone. Credit to you if you've lost weight, right? Because that is hard. But to keep it off and get lean and stay lean, even if you're someone who's already in decent shape. If you want to get in the shape I'm in, for example, I have abs all year round, right? Another animal, my friend. It's another animal, all right? So most people are not in a position to lose weight and keep it off, right? And the reason is because behaviors, like I just say, behaviors with food, right? Ultimately, if you're eating processed foods or if you struggle with emotional eating and it's a regular recurrence, you're not going to keep the weight off. You're going to overeat and you're going to keep gaining the weight back. And the other thing then is lifestyle. People haven't made changes to their lifestyle that are sustainable. Remember, when you're looking to lose fat or lose weight and keep it off or get lean and stay lean, you've got to be making changes to your lifestyle that are permanent, right? So if you increase your steps, for example, you move more, the second you stop doing that and you go back to what you were doing before, you know, maybe being lazy and sitting on your ass, I'm just going to say it how it is, then you're going to gain the weight back, for example, right? So whatever you implement, you have to be able to sustain. Um, so like if you start training a certain way, you need to be able to sustain that because you might do that. You might eat better at high protein, lose consistency with your nutrition, which I'm going to talk about with your nutrition and training. Then you gain the weight back, right? So you've got to make changes that are sustainable. And that's why I just want to talk about you know my approach with clients because it's valuable to you, right? I meet my clients where they're at. That's what we do at Optimize Your Body. We meet people where they're at. We make changes to their lifestyle. You know, whatever change you make to their nutrition or whatever we do, it's one thing at a time, maybe two things max. They're consistent with those things. They sustain them, right? And then they basically, they get sustainable results. It's as simple as that, right? Most people have been struggling to restrict calories for their whole life, right? So most people, you could probably, if you're listening to this, perhaps you've been struggling for a long time to be able to stay in good shape all year round, right? Stay in great shape. Or you've been struggling for years with your weight, right? To lose weight and you've gained it back and gained it back. And what happens is, when you lose weight and gain it back, what you'll probably notice is you gain more and more weight. Essentially, people gain about, the average person gains about four or five pounds of fat, I think, a year or something like that, or weight. So ultimately, when you're doing that, your body gets better and better at storing fat. My friend, like, stop guessing. I just wanted to say this because I'm very passionate about what I do. Stop guessing. Stop trying to do it yourself. And, you know, as Einstein said, basically doing the same thing. What is it? You know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result trying to restrict calories, gaining the weight back, you're playing with fire. Body gets better at storing fats. I wouldn't say you damage your metabolism, but it has a negative effect on your metabolic rate. And more importantly, it really screws you up psychologically. Let's be honest. When you've lost weight and gained it back, lost weight and gained it back. And I can talk on this because I used to struggle, like I said, with the uh, binge eating and stuff like that. With the bodybuilding days, you know, I wasn't overweight, but I, I was just carrying fat on my stomach. After the weekend, I would overeat every weekend for about 18 months, maybe two years. And I would go from like, you know, getting a little bit lean in the week, gaining fat on the weekend, getting a bit lean in the week, gaining fat on the weekend, right? So that's most people. They, they guess. I'm going to talk about some strategies now, right? But they guess a lot with calories. They say they're eating healthy. 
oh, I think I'm in a deficit, but I'm not losing weight. You're not in a deficit, right? The likelihood is you're overeating on the weekends. You're going from maybe being a deficit in the week to being in a surplus because you're eating too much on the weekends or, or overeating or whatever, right? So most people are simply not in a position to lose weight and keep it off. This is why the approach for most people I take on, not everyone, but most people, we reverse diet. So most people need to not diet down or restrict calories because you've been failing at that for X amount of time. You need to change your approach and you need to do a, you need to do a, a smart reverse diet, essentially. You need, to, you need to do a reverse diet the right way. So instead of cutting calories, you need a different approach. Essentially, you want to be, like I say, add in protein. I always talk about this, talked about it last time, add in protein, following a proper strength training program, working on your behaviors with relationship with food and, and basically removing those processed foods from your diet slowly but surely or significantly reducing them. Uh, but that needs to be a strategy. Doing that in yourself, again, guesswork, adding calories. Most people are just not going to do it because they have the psychological barrier. They don't know what the fuck they're doing because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Reverse diet and you have to have a, a very regiment, not regimented, you have to have a strategic approach basically to do that. So most people need to add instead of take away. As simple as that, right? Just, just take that away from this. Like I said last time, you need to be taking a different approach. Most people, even if you want to get to the next level, you might be someone who's already lean, but you want to get to the next level lean. You, like I said last time, you might want to do a mini bulk and a mini cut. You've got to throw a curveball to your metabolism, right? If you want to lose stubborn body fat, right? You've got to add calories maybe for four weeks and then reduce them again. It's got to be a strategy, my friend. It can't be guesswork, right? All right. So I wanted to cover that part there. And then real quick, Dan, before I get into like a, like a Q&A and stuff, I wanted to drop some really important strategic stuff here, which is shown in research and with clients, right? Uh, first of all, I mentioned about the first thing I, I haven't talked about yet, another sip of my coffee, bear with me. Another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, cardio versus weights. Talk about this all the time, but this is relating to being able to lose weight and keep it off. I've said this a million times. Cardio, you automatically burn calories, right? Sorry, no, you don't. Cardio, you manually burn calories, right? So again, it goes back to the 5% thing I was saying, right? Let's say you go to the gym. I've mentioned this before, right? You do 45 minutes or an hour on the treadmill or whatever you do in cardio. You're burning calories for give or take, let's say 5% of your day. The beauty of lifting weights, when you go to the gym, let's say you do the same amount of time in the gym, you do a 45-minute weight training instead of walking on the treadmill, your rest and metabolic rate is elevated, like I talked about earlier with me, right? My metabolism is constantly elevated from lifting weights, high protein, et cetera. But with weight training, it boosts your, uh, let's just say 10 to 12 hours longer, though, up to 24 hours, maybe even longer, your metabolism is elevated after strength training, after lifting weights, not after cardio. So your body is automatically burning more calories, let's just say 12 hours for 50% of your day. Think about it, right? Lift weights, 45 minutes, boom, metabolism elevated. They call it EPOC, yeah? Um, or, or is it EPOC? Yeah, exercise post-oxygen something. But anyway, it's essentially your metabolism is elevated after, right? For up to 12 hours, that's like 50% of your day, right? Whereas cardio, you burn calories at the time. You're, you're manually burning calories at the time, but then when you leave the gym, your metabolism goes back. To, you know, you're not burning any extra calories. You're just manually burning them. So uh, that's why weight training over time is going to be way more effective for you know for for fat loss, right? Because it's constantly charging up your metabolism. And what we need to do, see, when it comes to weight loss and fat loss, we need to increase the calories out part, right, to the maximum. So we do that by more movement, and we do that by following a proper strength training program and doing it strategically and basically nutrition, right? High protein consistently, eating real foods, uh, and basically having a strategic approach and having a game plan with your nutrition and just not guessing and just doing random shit, right? It's got to be. That's why I keep saying, right? You know, when you're spinning your wheels and guessing, you know, it's just painful because you end up just 
spinning your wheels, follow this diet, follow that diet, follow this workout plan on YouTube. And ultimately, it works until it doesn't work, right? Fantastic. If you, if you get results you can sustain that way, fantastic. Congratulations. You're in the small, tiny percentage of people, right? So yeah. Anyway, wanted to share that, the cardio versus weights. Yeah. And really, one thing I wanted to talk about here, which would be valuable to my audience, right? I know a lot of people are females in the audience. Guys, this might be beneficial to you anyway, right? Because uh, just listen up. The menstrual cycle, right? Very complex and makes a big difference, like essentially with a female, right? And weight loss. When, or just in general with a menstrual cycle, your body is two different physiologies. Uh, physio physiologically, your body is completely different on different parts of your cycle. So I always get my female clients to pay attention to this, okay? And we, we you know, I, I make them aware of it at a minimum. Now, for example, when you're leading up to ovulation, generally, this is what happens for the most part. When you're leading up to the ovulation period for that kind of two weeks, essentially, that's going to be the best kind of streak for you there in terms of, you know, your metabolic rate is, is going to be different. So you're probably not going to have as many cravings. You're going to feel better. Um, generally, I think progesterone might be higher. I can't remember the exact uh, hormones now. Testosterone as well. Um, so generally, don't quote me on that, but long story short, you're going to have better performance in the gym. Uh, that's when you could be maybe pushing in the gym and hitting some PBs or whatever you're doing. Uh, it'll be easier to stay in a calorie deficit for that two weeks leading up to the ovulation period, right? Not the menstruation, bear with me. And generally, you're going to have more energy, et cetera, right? Then after that ovulation, that kind of two weeks or so when you're leading up to the uh, menstruation part where, you know, your period, that's when you want to generally pull back a bit, right? You know, you're not going to break any records in the gym generally. Probably don't want to be in a calorie deficit for that period, or it's going to be a real struggle because, you know, that's when your hormones are going to be completely different. Again, you're going to be a different physiologically. Uh, phys you're going to be a different physiology. You're going to get more cravings, the PMS, the, 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 the you know, the, the mood swings, et cetera. Guys, ladies, we all know what we're talking about here, right? <laughs> we all know, we all know what I mean by that. So essentially, this relates to fat loss. You know, you got to remember that, right? You got to know when to push and when to pull because that's two weeks leading up to your period, your menstruation. You're not going to be at your best. Essentially, you're going to be at your worst in comparison to the two weeks leading up to ovulation. So, you know, don't try and be in a calorie deficit, essentially, for that two weeks leading up to your menstrual cycle. Uh, good luck with that. That's probably a bad, bad timing. So I wanted to tie that in there. And what you got to look at as well, one more thing with fat loss and obesity, a recent study was done and essentially there is a lot of stuff going on there when it comes to obesity. Uh, it is very complex. Yeah, we can, we can kind of be like straight up and up front and almost lack compassion in a sense and say, look, you're the one putting the food in your mouth, essentially, right? No one's forcing you to eat those foods, da 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 da, da. But at the same time, there is research to show, you know, trauma and stuff, right? So I think I think 50% of people or females, for example, this study was done, who are obese, had some sort of trauma relating to like sexual stuff, whether that be sexual assault or abuse or something like that. And also people who are obese who struggle with obese, you know, the satiety signals are very different in terms of like uh, the signal to tell them they're full is very different, et cetera. Uh, there's a lot of kind of variances there and factors which come into that. So I'm not going to go do too deep into it, but obesity is is different to being overweight. And there, there is some other stuff going on there with psych psychology, relationship with self, uh, and also past traumas, et cetera, right? So it's not just like a, you know, the stuff I talked about, it's not always going to be, you know, as easy for someone who's obese. That being said, the majority of the time, it is a case of, you know, you making conscious change. Well, it is always a case of you making conscious changes, but there's a lot more going on there, right? Period. Why am I saying period for? I'm not American. Anyway, that's that. I'm going to basically uh, almost wrap this up now, and I'm going to do a Q&A at the end of my uh, Instagram live. But 
I've got some gems I wanted to share here with you based on research. I, I think I mentioned this before, um, but research shows a big study was done, right? And, and this is why, you know, we're kind of big on this for the most part, depending on the clients uh, in terms of self-monitoring. Now, when it comes to people getting uh, success, which is a small percentage of people, right? It's literally the five to 10% of people who manage to keep weight off for the rest of their, lose weight and keep it off and continue to make progress, or at least just lose the, lose the weight and keep it off for the rest of their life. Self-monitoring is huge. It was shown in research, people who get success, they're big on self-monitoring, whether that's tracking food, uh, weighing themselves every week or whatever, essentially you know, monitoring themselves really, right? So in, in OYB, Optimize Your Body Coaching Program, obviously we do the progress photos, we do the body fat test, et cetera. It depends on the client that we don't do this because some people have uh, mental issues with this stuff. So obviously we don't do it with everyone, but for the most part, we're big on self-monitoring in some way or shape or form because ultimately, you know, it keeps you on your game. And it's, it adds to that kind of self-accountability then as well, right? So self-monitoring is key. The second thing which came up is obviously planning. Pre-planning is key, right? It's, it's essential. You know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. So that's why, you know, meal prep, just simple, for example, you know, having, okay, I'll talk about that on the next point, actually, but meal prep, planning ahead, for example, looking at the menu, if you're going to eat out, look at the menu so you know what's in store for you when you get there. So you can kind of plan ahead to what you're going to eat, for example. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to do that every time. Sometimes you might just go and have a pizza. But for the most part, planning ahead of those occasions is key. If you want to lose weight and keep it off, having lean protein available, for example, like, you know, you know, obviously, okay, I'll talk about why people fail next anyway, but having flexibility and not feeling restricted is huge as well. This came up in research and this is a massive component of my coaching program. It's like, you know, consistency over perfection. I say this all the time, but if you're feeling like you're in that diet mindset all the time, yeah, good luck. Like you're not going to sustain it. Like I've been there. We've all been there. You feel like you're on a diet or you feel like you're restricted all the, don't get me wrong. There's a time where you have to feel a bit restricted and be disciplined. If you feel like that all the time and you feel like you haven't got any flexibility with your approach and you're, sacrificing like your whole social life and you're not doing anything by tracking and or just feeling too restricted in general, you're not going to sustain that. So flexibility with the approach is key. And that's why there was that kind of new term or new kind of wave or movement, whatever you want to call it, of flexible dieting, right? And uh, this, and again, this is what I hate about it. It's like I have to go into two camps. They have to go clean eating camp and then flexible dieting camp. The clean eating camp are the uh, the ones who just kind of eat clean and don't track and the flexible dieting camp are the ones who track food, but they have more flexibility and they just try and hit protein and calories and don't worry as much about food quality. So flexibility is key. Having some of your favorite foods here and there, you know, or having a few drinks here and there, having a social life, you know, is key if you want to sustain it. But at the same time, taking me on to my next point, you got to be around the right, right people, right? This came up in research that if you're getting criticism from people and you haven't got the right support system, you're going to fail. Like it's not going to work for the most part. It might be a minority of people who still succeed, but it's for the most part, people fail when they haven't got the right people around them encouraging them. Uh, compliments and encouragement go a long way in this game, okay? Whether that's people complimenting you for simply turning up in the gym, someone you might see in the gym, oh, well done, you know, you're consistent with your training. Someone complimenting the fact that you've lost weight or just simply complimenting you and encouraging you because you're trying to better yourself and having like-minded people around you is essential. Again, this is why our community at Optimize Your Body has been so successful and so pivotal because your net worth, your network is your net worth, right? You know, they say you become an average of the five people you spend the most time with. We all know that, right? So why don't we do it? Right? It's funny how everyone says that. Most people know it, but most people just don't do it and they wonder why they're not succeeding in life, right? If you're surrounded by 
people who are not serving you or they don't align with your values, then you're not going to get there, especially when it comes to weight loss. Yeah. So there's a few other things, but that's pretty much it really. And then the final thing I wanted to say is, um, is, is essentially people who gain the weight back. These are the two big thing, reasons why people gain weight back or gain fat back, or just don't get that consistency with their health and fitness goals. Not enough structure. So going back to what I was saying, not prioritizing training, for example, not prioritizing training, maybe not even prioritizing uh, you to go out on your walks or have time for yourself so you can get your steps in, but essentially just not prioritizing training and meal prep again, lean protein, having lean protein available in the fridge, having like just meats in a tub. Like it doesn't have to be complicated, right? Just having lean protein available, having meals available, prioritizing your meal prep or getting a company to do that for you. You have to prioritize yourself your training sessions, your nutrition. Otherwise, if you haven't got that structure, you're not going to fail. You're not going to, sorry, succeed. And you're not going to be consistent, right? So that was a huge thing. It was lack of time management, lack of structure. And again, it can be really, really simple. Like that can be a goal. When you set goals, people overcomplicate things. My goal this week is to get my meals prepped, get my meals ready for the week. So I'm good Monday to Friday, bang, sorted. I know I'm not going to, generally, I've got less chance of overeating. I'm going to hit my protein target, et cetera, because I've got meals there available, right? Uh, the other one then, just to wrap this up, is this is a big one, right? Is weighing yourself and then your weight staying the same or your weight going up and then essentially, you know, getting disheartened, demotivated, and then quitting, right? This is a big thing. Poor relationship with the scales. You weigh yourself, like maybe your weight, by the way, you can be in a calorie deficit and be losing fat and your weight stay the same, right? Period. Your weight can stay the same if you're doing the right way for a period of time. But, you know, even with weight loss, your weight can stay the same for, say, three weeks. And it doesn't mean you're not losing fat, right? You know, but eventually it'll catch up. But generally, get, people get so attached with that number on the scales that they end up losing motivation when the weight goes up or the weight stays the same. And then basically, you know, they get demotivated. And worse, what happened in the study as well is people, they actually turn to uh, food, emotional eating, right? Emotional eating to make themselves feel better. And then they gain all the weight back and they hit the, the off button and they go back to square one. That's a common thing, right? Because obviously when we feel down or sad or whatever, what do we turn to? Food a lot of the time, right? Oh, you know, I haven't lost weight. What's the point, right? That mindset is toxic, perfectionism, et cetera. You can end up just chasing your tail and it's mindset. That's the most important thing, right? So if you've got a really poor relationship with the scales then just don't weigh yourself, like it's one metric out of like so many, if you get too caught up on that number, you're going to get disheartened. And if you quit, because essentially you've got a weak mindset, because that's what it is. I'm just going to say how it is. That's just what it's going to be, right? Okay, cool. So I'll uh, hang about now. I know there was a couple of questions here. I say, well, I'm going to wrap the podcast up now. Ladies and gents, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. And uh, if you wouldn't, uh, if you really like this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you can go over and give me a rating and review on, uh, on Spotify or iTunes. That would be a massive help. And or uh, simply share this on your story, on your Instagram story. Tag me on your Instagram story at Martin Silver Fitness. Tag me, share it, or just share this episode with someone who you think will get benefit from it, right? Thank you.